I wanted to show the other side to touring as well. It's like, yeah, there is the fun. There is like all the amazingness and the venues and the audiences and the, the bands, you know, if that's what you're into. But then there's also all the dark shit that no one kind of thinks about. And I mean, paragraph one, you know, I say some pretty like deep shit like right there. And people have, I've actually had a few people reach out and like, thanks. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be anything better, but I'm glad I was maybe a small voice. Hey, this is Kyle Churnside, and I'm Chris Leonard, and this is Loose Connection. Man, we're going to have a fun one tonight. I've never talked to an author before. I mean, we've had people on the podcast and around us that have wrote books, but not like this, dude. Especially not a fiction novel, at least. So this is this is definitely different. Yeah. yeah. And and it involves our our business, what we do, roadies. Absolutely. Philip Kriz, he was a, you know, touring audio engineer, roadie, uh, just like we were. And, um, you know, the pandemic hit our industry, shut us all completely down. And many people like him had to decide what is next? What am I going to do? But do you think you could ever be like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to write a book. No, I, I, I'm lucky that I actually read this book, um, let alone having written a book for sure. I, I just think it's amazing. We get, we go into a couple different discussions about like how you continue the story, like how you forecast the story mm. and how you write for so many different characters. And, uh, the book is called the roadie cartel. It's basically a, a crime fiction novel about, uh, roadies that sell illicit things while on the road. <laughs> <laughs> and and it tells their story behind it. It's kind of it's. I'm only so far into it, but Philip is an awesome conversation for sure. Absolutely, yeah. You know, uh, he's got a he's got a pretty uh, stacked resume. That you know, it's funny. I've heard him talk before. He likes to play it off like, oh yeah, you know, how's a roadie. Uh, but when you you look into it, you know, and you know, he's worked with Kiss and Paul Simon and Justin Bieber, and you know, just to name a few artists I, that he's. I've heard worked of a with. few of those. <laughs> Now, Philip is pretty cool. I got to meet up with him about a year ago uh, as he's on his journey. Uh, the book recently released um, as we record this, and then coming out soon is the audio version of The Roadie Cartel. You can actually hear a sneak peek of about five minutes of that of that book at the end of this episode. Uh, and I say sneak peek because depending on when this comes out, the audiobook may or may not be out, but it should be out soon if it's not already. Um, so we encourage you to go uh, support him. Uh, go to Amazon or wherever you buy books and get the Brody Cartel. Definitely check out our socials on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Loose Connection Pod. Let's go. Let's go. So you said you put the jersey on and you came downstairs. Like, what position would you play if you were like, Coach Kyle, Coach Chris, let's oh, go. I'd be fucking Ricky Vaughn from Major League. Let's I, go. Have the, I have his jersey upstairs. I would slap that 99 on, come running down the stairs. 
See, I didn't, think, I didn't think you were going to say that. See, I, what I didn't tell Kyle is that you're a major soccer fan, too, or football. Uh, so I, I thought you, football. So football. I didn't know. And, 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 and you don't know, Philip, but Kyle is – he's a coach. He still plays on, like, a men's league. Um, right. He's big into, uh, into soccer. I got I got swindled into liking soccer from touring, and Swindle. now I'm just freaking hooked. I can't get enough of uh, Arsenal's my team, and I just oh, okay. I know, I know. Do we need to hang up, Kyle? Is that a- no, 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 no? Everyone's got their pre. And, and see, that's what's cool is when you ask somebody about what who their soccer team is. Default mm-hmm. is a Premier League team always. Absolutely. Always, always. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what kind of soccer fan you are. If you're from Argentina, and someone asks yeah. you what your favorite soccer team is they don't go oh the argentina national team they say oh fucking man city man man United. city like oh ashton villa like yeah what, whatever the case may be my neighbor's a tottenham fan so i'm sorry yeah i'm sorry <laughs> about that too but it hey what a great game and i think if more americans that's all these listeners that we have we only have one person from turkey i think that listens every <laughs> once in a while he's he was he actually cricket yeah <laughs> and he's like fuck this cricket's where it's at but i i think if people watch it's it's like when i went on tour everyone was watching f1 and i tried to get mm-hmm. into it and that's another big touring thing like if you watch sports on the bus it's going to be something like f1 soccer yeah. Like when I'm in Australia, I watch bowls. Have you ever watched bowls, Chris? You ever mm. watch bowls? You know what that is? No, it, it, like like Aussie rules football, or no, it's bowls. It's fucking croquet balls that they roll around this huge uh... field and it like touches each other and it's 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 crazy. It's like bocce ball but huge fields. Yeah. Nah, no, my pink my pinky's no. not up like yours, Kyle. Dude, <laughs> see my and my I will follow Messi. So if anything, I'm truly a Messi Gross. fan. Like that. That dude is just, I don't know. I like the guy. Like, I think he's like, I like Miami now just because Messi plays for him now. But at the same time, I didn't grow up like watching soccer. So I kind of became a fan in the middle of all these greats careers and stuff. So Chris, for, for the record, so to fill you in, Messi's like this great I soccer I know who Messi okay. is. Jeez. So check this out. <laughs> On YouTube and, and all these clips that come out now show my, show how much Messi walks during a game. Like he'll oh, score he'll that. he'll score four goals, but he'll walk for seventy minutes of that game. Like the game's ninety minutes long. He'll walk for seventy minutes of it and still end up scoring four times. His little Insane. legs just kind of yeah. do 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 do. <laughs> he he is a great soccer player. It's great for MLS, but it's not going to work yeah. out for long. Um, Concaf Cup starts here soon, so I don't even think Miami's not even in that. I don't honestly don't even follow him that much. I'll just watch whenever I like. I'm like a Fairweather fan with him. Like if he's on the big screen, I'm like, ooh, Messi's on. All right, let me check this out now. <laughs> I love soccer. Welcome to I, the soccer podcast of Loose Connection. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Whole new everyone turned right. off right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Philip. I want to go back to October twenty seventh, nineteen ninety two, in uh-huh. El Paso, Texas. Yeah, you're nine years old. Yeah, I right? was young. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we're gonna get to your book. Um, but as I was thinking about this, is uh, I truly think this is where your book started. Regardless of you maybe mm-hmm. telling the story of when you put pen to paper or when the th- idea came. This is where the book started. So take me back to that day, what you experienced and how that changed your life. Man, um, it was. And what's crazy about that is I was already interested in music, but 
I was maybe, let's see, a few months before I was supposed to go to my first, first concert. I was supposed to go to actually Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Faith No More. And my mom wouldn't let me go. And I don't know if this was like a, well, I'll, let me make it up to you. But she took me to go see U2 and Public Enemy that night at the Sun Bowl. And I didn't really think much of it. I wasn't like a big U2 fan. And mm-hmm. I had no idea who Public Enemy was. I mean, I might have seen them on MTV. Right. But I wasn't rocking a boombox, walking down the street, playing their greatest hits. You didn't have a big clock on your chest. didn't have a big clock. Yeah. <laughs> like I did. I, I, <laughs> If anything, I was I was more into like freaking who know I I think I had a Bon Jovi like little nine inch record that I would play over and over at that time in my life. Um, so yeah, that guy went and I didn't know what to expect. And here was this giant, massive stage with these cars with lights that would light up in the middle of it, and it blew my mind, man. It was it was one of those moments in my memory that I'll never ever forget just being there i couldn't tell you what songs they played i couldn't tell you i could what what record are you holding there kyle fear of a black planet the one that my parents threw away twice on cassette (laughs) this is the 180 gram one i i have at least 12 public enemy things within arm's reach and they're not all (laughs) albums either i have like a dressing room sign i have a set list i have one of the clocks Dude, I wish I used to. <laughs> one of the old bands I worked, uh, I played for when I was a kid. We did um, Channel Zero, which is a Public Enemy song where they sampled a Slayer riff. And Ooh, during yeah. during that song, I wore the clock. I was That's like, amazing. Let's, go. Let's do this. That's rad. Yeah, and no, I, I I just have I I never pictured myself ever being at a Public Enemy show because, like I said, I wasn't a fan, and I never pictured myself at a U two concert being my first concert. But I think my mom took me there as like a Oh, you didn't see the bands you really wanted to see. Let me make this up to you and show you Bono. And I was like, all right. But I was blown away. It was, it was, like I said, it, it took me to a place where I'd never seen a roadie before. Mm. And then there was dudes just standing on the side of the stage that like long hair. I probably ended up working with some of those dudes later in my career as well. But that was. It was a it was a magical moment, and what's crazy is the Sun Bowl where you sit, you can look past the stage and you can see Mexico. Mm. So if you've never been there, it's an it's not like a dome or anything. It's just this open stadium, and if you look where they typically put the stage, yeah, you look right over into Juarez, Mexico, where some of my book takes place too. Nice. Um, what I found fascinating, so I um, to jump around here for a second, right? So I learned of basically who you are through Mm -hmm. the pandemic. You and your wife had a podcast called backyards and bevies. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know at what point I found it within, within when you guys were doing it or during the pandemic somewhere in there, I found it. Um, and I was, I was gravitated to it just because like anything in the pandemic, it's something different and Mm -hmm. more people of our industry kind of talking and doing a thing, but you, you did something different with it in that, um, you know, you didn't do what, I don't know, what we were doing by we, I mean, Colin and I don't a pandemic of talking on signals and noise or other industry related things. Uh, you and your wife um, took a, a, a different path of just talking about life out loud and processing life together. Um, and mm-hmm. I was just really, um, I was just fascinated by that. Um, but oh, thanks. I just, you know, knowing that we were going to jump on here, I would jump back to like an early episode and you were talking about that. And 
you and I had a chance to meet up in Nashville um, mm-hmm. about a about a year ago, and and as we're talking, and I and I had always wondered, like, man, you so you, you made this jump out of being tour, you know, you know, touring as a roadie, touring as a, as an audio engineer, um, and most people who are audio engineers, they're in it because <laughs> they have this deep passion for doing audio. Yeah, and so like, and when I would hear you talk. You would always skirt. You wouldn't actually really talk about audio. You just talked about like touring and stuff. But then it made sense when I went back to this first episode. You talked about the why you got in the industry. And yeah, it's like yeah. you actually kind of got in the industry for the cliche sex drugs and rock and roll side of things, as opposed to hey, I want to do audio. Yeah. Um, and I, I I find that interesting because like mm-hmm. I'm sure there's plenty of people who do that, but I would say by and large, people are in there because of a passion as opposed to pursuing the actual cliche lifestyle. That's the backstage lifestyle. So can you maybe talk yeah. about like what, you know, what drove you into that, the roadie stage and, <laughs> and stuff like that? Well, I think, I mean, and, and we all grew up in the same kind of time, like where music videos also portrayed the backstage or the roadie life as such this cool touring thing, because like Motley Crue had like, um, their music videos would show the stage and the crowd and then the buses and then there's Journey playing the stage, the crowd, the buses and mm. all these all these great acts made touring look so fun. They didn't they didn't show any of the work. They didn't show any <laughs> of the like, oh, you got to run cables or oh, there's feeder in the morning. Or, oh, hey, by the way, they're, they're these speakers have to go. up. No, they showed girls and then they showed booze and it just looked like a party. And so. I grew up riding dirt bikes and skateboarding and being a pretty rowdy kid. So when all of a sudden I was at a concert and I saw that there was just people standing there on the side of the stage doing nothing, I was like, well, (laughs) that's freaking amazing. Like, I don't know who that guy is. And I remember going home and telling my family like, oh, yeah, I had a blast. My stepmom years later reminded me, she was like, you came home and you had you were like just chatting chatting and i asked like oh like did you have fun i was like oh my gosh that's what i want to do she's like oh you want to be like a rock star i was like no there was like these dudes just standing on the side of the stage and like i don't know what they do but it looks amazing i want to do that and whatever that brain dart was it like stuck in my head right and i don't think it was that day that specifically like set me on that trajectory, but years and years of being by the Sun Bowl and watching other tours come through, I'd watch these buses come in and out of town. And the only people that got off of them were dudes that I wanted to look like. They had tattoos. They were on wearing shorts to work. They had t-shirts and dressed in black. And I was like, this is a, like, I don't know who these freaking guys are. That's cool. And I want to do that. And they're all smoking cigarettes, you know, and, and years of that, throughout my childhood i think just kind of uh, and especially my teen years right very very vulnerable as a teen sure um i that was like the trajectory that i th- i think that i thought my life would have the most fun at and sure enough i had a ton of fun being a roadie so and none of it was doing audio <laughs> so so going back to your teen years when you're a recluse were you kind of driven by the art and the magic of it? It like you, you skated and rode dirt bikes. So like it, oh. it, it was like a magic art to you uh, it, was music. You know, and I think the music to me was always 
rowdy. I don't know. I always love the soundtrack the to your time. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell like yeah. I, punk rock was like all every dirt bike video and every skate video had music in it. Right. So it like went hand in hand. And then like the Vans Warp Tour, right. Came out when I was maybe six, uh, maybe 15, 16. I don't remember. But when the first one was, all it was, was extreme sports and music. And it was like, how do I get on that tour? That is the one that I need to be on because they're backflipping dirt bikes and riding the Pennywise. I'm like, how this is music. This is touring to me. And then I got on like a real tour. I was like, oh, wait, what? Like, <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> did, did you ever explore like being a musician or just being around it? Nah, when I was younger, my I was in the orchestra. I played the violin and the bass. And I gave that up for dirt bike riding because I figured I could get way more chicks that way. <laughs> Solid. Lo and behold, like, wow, I probably should have just stuck to like a garage band, moved my way into like a small, you know, club and then club to arena, arena to stadium. And then my life would have been way different. But way different. Dirt bikes. Dirt bikes. <laughs> dirt bikes <laughs> and skateboarding. Were you, were you writing back then? Did you, Were you a writer back then in N- school? Uh, no, but when I was in high school, so this is pretty funny. A lot of things that I guess I, I said I wanted to do and I have done them, which is kind of funny. I told my best friend that I wrote a book and he goes, oh man, like in high school, you said you were going to write a book one day. I was like, oh shit, that's wild. I did. And he goes, yeah, well, you didn't write it, uh, the book that you thought you were going to write. And I was like, I did not write that book, thank, thankfully, because uh, that book probably wouldn't sell that as well as this one hopefully <laughs> but, but yeah that was that was the, that that was my only writing experience was saying that i wanted to write a book to answer that question well let's uh let's uh let's maybe jump 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 forward um i, I assume um like many people uh pandemic hit you know, are the touring world shut down as we all know it? <clears throat> um, you is was that the launching point to be like, hey, what am I gonna do with the rest of my life? Had you already been working on the book? Like, what was what was so actually, what was that shift? So, knowing that I always wanted to write something, um, and knowing, like you said earlier, that I didn't get into the music business because I had any passion for consoles and preamps and microphones and all that stuff at one point in my touring career i started writing a screenplay and i had called it uh roadie friday and it was like a american pie nice meets, yeah it was it was a it was a rowdy fun stupid dick and fart joke like just a giant big one but um I started writing that in like just a little journal one day and it was fun i got pretty pretty deep into it but then I realized like it takes passion and time and like way, way more things than I wanted to give. And plus at the time I really didn't care to become a better writer or better at grammar or mm-hmm. work on my vocabulary. So it kind of fizzled out and I just put it in my backpack and then that got stored with all my old laminates and forgot about it. And so then, yeah, like um, when the pandemic hit, it was, I didn't have anything, man. Like it all, everything that I thought that I, everything that I had in my life kind of went away and I was like, oh shit. Like I didn't see touring going away ever. I thought I was going to die in a bunk making decent money and 
riding on buses and eating. It was like I was in jail, right? Like three square meals a yeah. day and <laughs> and uh, a place to sleep every night. It was great. But yeah, when all that got ripped away, it was kind of eye opening. And so, yeah, the book was always in the back of my mind. I think just I wanted to make money outside of touring and I never knew how because it would have it meant that I would have had to dedicate my time to something else and I never had that time mm. while I was touring right so so did you have to revisit all those things that you said you weren't good at your grammar your <laughs> oh my gosh linguistics everything oh my gosh uh, i'm sure i could i could have barely sent a text message to you led a legible text <laughs> message at, at version 1 you would have been like holy cow this guy's not writing a book <laughs> <laughs> What did, what did you do to get that stuff? Did you do it over the pandemic? Every day I just typed, man. I just would work on my wife. One thing that I will say that I credit my wife for with this book is when she said, do it, I said, okay, well, here's the deal. If it sucks or anything I write sucks, you have to tell me it sucks. Mm. Like, I don't want this like, oh, it's like so good. You're such a good writer. I was like, no, like, be honest with me. Tell me like, this makes no sense. And she was. And so... By the time I turned the book in, I was on version 19, put it to you that way. So it had been through that many different edits. And by that point, I had uh, a pro editor like that was really, really close to me. And we worked hand in hand, like every day we would just work and work and shoot. And she showed me too. I went to some writing classes as well. Um, yeah, so it was, it was the first time in my life that I think I had a passion for something. Um, Cause like I said, I didn't really care for audio. I just, it was a way for, it was an easy way for me to be on tour and make money and have fun. That's what I hear a lot of people. I mean, I don't know a ton of people that have written books, but that's the first thing they talk about is, is the writing classes and the storytelling mm -hmm. and, uh, why the classics are the classics and how it was written and how to draw the picture. And I think it's super yeah. interesting. It, it's something I, I probably want to approach eventually, but I don't even know what I'd write about. It, <laughs> Um, I think it, honestly, imagination is so it's in everybody, but I think it like a lot of people, unfortunately get told to like mask it like, Hey, dumbass, pay attention or Hey, what are you doing daydreaming over there? And I think that that's sometimes the issue. It's like, it, we're all artistic in our own weird way. And I didn't write the book because I hope everybody would like it. I wrote what I I liked I wrote exactly what I wanted to write and every time that someone told me oh you should do oh you should add this or you should do this I was like no I'm not going to or oh you should shorten it or oh it's, it's this I'd be like okay that's cool but it was all my artistic thinking it wasn't I didn't let anybody influence me because I wanted it to be my imagination and so writing to me is that it's 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 whatever is deep inside of you that you've I wasn't able to tour. So I was like, let me tell the most fucked up touring story that I could ever create in my brain. Perfect. <laughs> Love it. And I did. And it was, and it was wild, man. Like some people are like, holy shit, you're dark. Or like, there's parts that are really dark and they're yeah. like, and, and my, my wife's friends re was reading it and she got a text message like, Hey, is Phil okay? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was a kind of a joke, but at the same time, you know, when you read it, you're you're thinking that like if you knew me and you ever toured with me, you wouldn't think that that's what I wrote. But I mean, that's the cool part is it's it, I let my imagination take it to uh, a place where. 
Well, and part of that has to do with the fact that it, it is fiction. And the funny thing yeah. is, is anytime I've tried to tell them about this book, they're like, the Roddy Cartel, you know, hustling cocaine with uh, with 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 the touring industry, like uh, wink, wink. Oh, right, it's a fiction novel, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you had fiction. to like be like, no, this isn't a autobiography. No, this yeah. isn't. Oh, I'm gosh. not the main character in the story. No, I'm mm-hmm. not like. <laughs> and that that was big. That was like clutch for me, like especially changing the main character. Um, to who she is, because I was like, I don't want the attention to be me because everybody is already assuming I'm writing mm. a, an autobiography. Everybody's like, oh, here's another roadie telling his his stories at which bar he went to and blah, 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 blah. And look, with, I'm not gonna lie. We all have great stories. We all right. have amazing stories. But let's be real. Like, I'm my stories aren't any better than anybody else's. And I'm not going to be that conceited to be like, let me write my story. So I, I figured the fiction way was way way more fun because I could put stuff in there. I could take touring to a level that would still make people question like if it happened. Huh. Hmm. What if that was really a, a thing? Yeah, well, but what you the thing and part of this uh I said this to you. I I I was able to finish the book recently, right? And so that mm-hmm. we were we were waiting to record this until I could at least finish the book, and I, yeah. I, I didn't give Kyle a chance to finish the book. I am ten pages in. Um, <laughs> I got it two days ago. They're ten messed up pages, right? Um, Dude, <laughs> it's it's intriguing to say the least because uh, I can say this because this is the beginning of the book. Like you're just sitting there talking to yourself basically for a while, right. and it's interesting because um, you. And and I have to ask you, like, you get inside of the head of this person, and mm. it's female, and mm-hmm. it's a tour manager, and, like, mm-hmm. you could just, like, the creative options just to be weird at any moment, mm-hmm. it, it's first 10 pages, it's creative and weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, like, you're just talking, to... you're not writing at any point, you're just talking to yourself in your head a lot, and it, mm. it's it's a real conversation when you read it. You're like, oh, okay. I get it. Yeah. I'm in my head. Because mm-hmm. everybody does it, though. Like, totally. And I think that was one of the the beauty when I when I started to really, really, really take it. Because I, I had one critique come in about version four from a TV and film agent. Mm. And I asked her to, she goes, do you want me to be brutal or do you want me to just give you like a, a nice version? I was like, no, be brutal. And she straight up told me, like, she was like, you have no focus. Focus it somehow. And, and it was really, I, I didn't. I didn't get it at first. I was like, hmm, I had to go back and kind of read. And I was like, ah, I'm all over the place. And she had told me to. She's like, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. And the one thing I, I remember being on tour and, and doing a lot was talking to myself. Mm. As strange as that sounds. I mean, you're just by yourself some days in your room. And you're like, the fuck? What the hell's the matter with me? What the hell's <laughs> going on? Like, what, what am I doing? My life? Or, you know, like, whatever. You had a bad day or you yeah, had a really sure. rough week. Or we've all been there. And, and to say that. We haven't. So I, I wanted to I wanted to show the other side to touring as well. It's like, yeah, there is the fun. There is like all the amazingness and the venues and the audiences and the the bands, you know, if that's what you're into. But then there's also all the dark shit that no one kind of thinks about. And I mean, paragraph one, you know, I say some pretty like deep shit like right there. And people have I've actually had a few people reach out and like, thanks. I'm like, yeah, like I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be anything better, but I'm glad I was maybe a small voice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I, so 
part of my experience in reading this, and I, and I told you this, is that I feel I have a probably a different visceral experience of reading this in that I've known you, I've listened to your journey through, you know, the podcast and, and, and becoming an author. Yeah. Um, and uh, knowing that at, at some point we're going to talk about the book. Right. So like I had this like duality while reading the book of like, I'm processing this of like, what questions do I want to ask, you know, <laughs> Phil, but how did he get to this point? Why did he have to put this much detail into the, or not? Why I would like, Oh, he went to this level to put this as much detail in this yeah. section. So, like, I would stop and think about how and why you wrote something in a certain section, um, mm. just because I was invested in the art and time that you put into it. So that was a kind of fun experience, as opposed to just being a reader. Because you know, yeah. I'll just be honest. Like, I don't really read that much. This is the most I've probably read in a decade, and it's like no joke. Like, I'm just I'm a, I consume podcasts. I'm just not a reader, especially That's fiction. Amazing though. I was more yeah. I was more of a nonfiction reader. So. I'm sorry. Yeah, not fiction reader. Um, mm-hmm. But so one of the things I did is I, 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 um, I talking about um, going to dark places and or realistic things. Uh, you know, the first page that I like I bookmarked that I was like, oh, that hit, <laughs> that hit. And yeah. you actually, I think you said this was like your favorite, um, one of the favorite sentences. It said, "The mind and self doubt can be an evil, dark." twisting road where anyone can get lost and so many never return from that unforgiving place um mm-hmm. and that really stuck out to me because a that like that wraps up the the, the main character in the story wyatt <clears throat> like that's a synopsis of her headspace throughout this entire thing mm-hmm. it, actually probably some of the other characters as well um and i related with that with things that i've gone through either recently and or you know through the years um what so and one thing you told me and 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 to jump further out and then come back in is that like because i knew you and knew your story i've been able to see you sprinkle parts of you throughout the book mm-hmm. yeah, simple yeah. things like you and the character share the same birthday or yeah. uh, <laughs> you know um the el paso thing right like yeah, you know, a lot of those, you know a lot of there's a lot of these things right and if you didn't know you might not know so it wouldn't mean as much um exactly so talk to me about like when you come across like that section, like um, how much how much of that was you pulling that out of you versus the story in the moment? And what did the like putting those words down on paper mean to you? Well, like. I guess this is a, a, a crazy thing to think about, but like each one of those characters I had to become mm-hmm. in a in a way. Right. Like I had to be wide. I had to be the murderer. I had to be everybody. Right. But one of the things that they all. I think inherently share is like just human nature in general. And when I think humans go through stuff like something catastrophic, like a job loss, you share the same emotions, right? You share that same self doubt. Like, what am I going to do? Like this was me. This was my identity. This was everything that I was. Every person that I know only knows me as this person. How am I going to like recoup my self identity or how Mm. like is will people still like me the same way? And so I think like a lot of me was in this book, but a lot of it I think also grew in the characters as well, because as I started to write it, like, yeah, it was like the pandemic was deep in. I like, I hadn't quit Claire yet. I had still, I was working at a really shitty warehouse driving a forklift for minimum wage. Cause I wasn't sure how long money was going to last with the, the free, the money that was coming in from the government. And you know, all these self-doubts, it's like, holy shit, do I, like, I'm married, like, we have, we had a kid on the way at one point, like, I was like, holy cow, what am I doing to myself? 
all the self-doubt. But then all of a sudden it was like, oh, well, we made it another month. Oh, shit, we made it a year. Oh, shit, like we keep making it. So I think as the book grow, as these characters grow too and they go through stuff, so did I was going through stuff. So it was easier to write other things as well that mm-hmm. were of calibers of like happiness and sunlight's coming out. Oh, shit, like that old saying, like it's always darkest before the dawn, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of like metaphors, I think, in that kind of style of writing in that self-doubt or in that hero-esque way like the the there is the it's everything that we go through in life but um sometimes it's cool to see it through someone else's eyes and that character being someone going through something hard harder than we're going through maybe and in my opinion why it's going through something pretty fucking hard so (laughs) yeah for sure for sure um the next one that i had tabbed down was um uh roadies are a different breed when it comes to executing tasks uh, they come in under the cover of darkness and some days pull off the impossible without being seen. Uh, and it goes on more beyond that. But I mean, that's like, I mean, that's easy for us to like, know, you know, but that's, I don't know. It's not something that like the average human who doesn't tour or whatever, but yeah. there's always those jokes of like um, when natural disasters happen, it's like, why are the politicians doing this? If you just hired some roadies, that's right. about like, don't, well, I don't want to go down the conspiracy theory of like vaccines and stuff like that. But like that, I know in our industry, we're like, just let the roadies handle this vaccine rollout and we'll get this shit out there. Why, what are y'all messing around with? Right? Like that was the thing we were talking about because we know how to get shit yeah. done. <laughs> it's, it's that whole, like, um, if you give a roadie like, you know, 20 hours to load in a show, he'll take 20 hours. But if like they had to do it in five, somehow magically they would do it in five and yeah. the show would be on time. I mean, I grew up around, let's just say cartels. Like, I'm not going to say that I was in one because I was never in one, but I knew enough to know that uh, they are, them and roadies are very creative Mm. people, right? Like, let's be real. Some of the stories you hear, just think about the stories you don't hear because they're working, right? Right. Like, the shit that they do that makes drugs appear in the United States, you're like, how have we been fighting this war for how long? And (laughs) they're still getting through? Hmm. I guess it's not working. Whatever they're doing, they're figuring it out, right? But this is a fiction novel, right? This is a fiction novel. (laughs) This is a fiction novel. But but I had to be okay. So there's there's part of that creativity, right? In 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 okay, telling a normal roadie day is kind of boring. Like Right. right, like yeah, but. There's some really cool aspects about it. Like no one knows that roadies show up at like 3 a.m. sometimes and start chalking the floor. But would I write that specific scene in there? No, I'm going to write something a little more, you know, imaginative. So people are like, oh, shit, like what do they do at 3 a.m.? <laughs> right. It, it is that that Hollywood, right? It's It's the smoke and mirrors. It's all the stuff. But yeah, roadies are super, super some of the most creative people in the world I've ever seen. And it's, and it's because you're, I think it comes from the breed and the idea that we're blessed now that companies can send you something in a overnight. Mm -hmm. Oh, you forgot your cable. Let me ship it to you. Probably in the sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, when, you know, all that stuff was not as easily or readily available. Yeah. Like roadies had to be freaking MacGyver's Mm -hmm. and, I think that that's the coolest way that I could pay homage to them is say something like that, you know, because just because I don't I'm not in the industry anymore that or maybe I didn't love it the way other people loved it. 
I, I think that it's beautiful on, on some of the stuff that roadies and engineers and techs do that it, it blew my mind being out there for that long and seeing some of that stuff. Certainly. Yeah, man. It was rad. I mean, let's be real. Like some of the stuff that you see people do, you're like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so what does it feel like now that this is out for you? It is, uh, it's like having another kid, to be honest. It's like my baby's out. Um, it's all I want to do is scream to the world, go read my book. Like I, I go check it out. Mm-hmm. Go have fun. It's amazing. Like, it's like pushing my kid out the door to go to school. Like, ah, oh, go tell everybody about, you know, yourself. Um, I personally, I don't think it's truly truly hit me on how cool it is like people still like will be like oh man it's amazing you wrote a book i'm like yeah it is pretty cool but then we'll just like go into talking about something else but they'll be like yeah but like man that's pretty rad like how did it happen and then they'll they'll start asking me more questions that's when i realize that it's a bigger deal than i think than i then it's hit me still do you ever do you ever think like oh man i should be i'm not even thinking about that anymore i'm writing the next thing i'm on the next thing yeah. Oh, and uh, that is exactly it right now. I've already started working on the second book. There Plus, like, and the audio. Okay, so it, I should have really, I tried to release the audiobook with this, but I was a little behind because this is the first time I ever did any of this. And so when I found the audiobook company to do it, they were like, eh, we're going to need a little more time because we have to, we have to find actors and, it was a little bit bigger of a process, but now that I have two actors locked in, I'm like, ah, I know how I can, how this works. I know how the process works now. So, um, it's, it's right. It's right. I have no, the only word I can ever say is I'm so blessed that I've been able to write a book, stay at home with my kids and, and do this. And, it's a uh, rad, man. I just hope it's cool that Chris read a book. Like, <laughs> I mean, to me, that when people tell me that, I'm like, yes, yes, let's let's make reading freaking rad, man. <laughs> what, um, what, you know, it's interesting. Um, as we've talked to different people in industries, right? It was one thing for Kyle and I to talk for so long to audio humans, and we knew what like the pinnacle of a day was, like the downbeat of a show and that music flowing yeah. through your your fingertips at, at, at the faders, and like there's that adrenaline rush. You're you're fe- you're feeding off the audience, and it's like okay, cool. We've heard that story over and over again. Now we've talked to some backline techs and stuff and talk about okay, what fuels them or mm-hmm. what you know, whatever fuels someone that like what's the, the 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 pinnacle of your day? So like but almost most of those things are like these instantaneous things. Like this this is like years of a product yeah. and of these highs and lows and like so what was it like to nineteen f- like, versions? <laughs> 19, yeah, nineteen versions, versions, right? So yeah, like what was it like? Um what were the what were the highest points, the most satisfying parts of the process? I, mm. um, uh, because there had been grind, there had been difficult parts. So, like, what was the what was the gratifying parts that you kind of kept latching onto through the process? I mean, right off the bat, chap, getting one chapter done. Every time I got a chapter done, it was success. Um, not success that it was perfect. It was just, oh, holy shit, I got another chapter. Like, this is cool. Like, this is starting to flow. That's how I read. That oh, was, my goodness. Thankfully, I got one more chapter done. 
Yeah. I mean, okay. Like, let's be real. I had a big, I had a big dream. The goal like was to write a book, right? Right. Like that was the big goal. And I've heard this a million times and it's been said probably, you know, just as many times, but, uh, to, I guess, achieve something great, right? You should break it down into little Mm. details and little, little or smaller goals. And so I think that through those three and a half years, because that's what it basically took me to get it to here. Um, April will be four. So yeah, like well over three and a half years. Um, it was all little goals and, and it was character developments. It was edits like, holy cow, we had deadlines too. Like I remember the first big edit we did, I hired this girl I've known for almost 25 years and she's an English major, like teaches, she's taught English for like, like almost 15 years um and i remember i asked her and she was like yeah i'll help you out like i i love fiction and then she blew my mind because then she was like oh this you're writing in this style like she had all this stuff i was like okay so i'm good though but we're like we're moving (laughs) and i think one of the biggest wins was she at the end of it was like wow like i really don't have a problem with your story like you're you're kind of have a very good flow like everything lines up pretty well i was like all right cool that was a giant win to me when I started to realize that when we would send the book off to people who were actually in the industry, that I wasn't just, it, the imposter syndrome wasn't, it was just me. I was the only, I was my biggest critic and I was my biggest enemy because other people were like, oh no, this is really rad. And then I think the uh, the biggest, biggest win was when my publisher, Julie, we gave it to her and she read it in 24 hours. She was like, I love your book. I want to, I want you to be, and she even told me one point, she was like, I don't know if my small publishing house can, I don't know what this is going to do. It's not going to hit right away, but I don't know what it's going to do. And I don't know if like, if you want to go somewhere bigger, I was like, no, nah, you're in like, it's you and me girl, let's do this. And so that one was a big win was finding Julie. Like she was just a big promoter of me, like, really believed in my story and I think that helped me um get over that imposter syndrome and all the other stuff explain explain to us a little bit what Julie as a publisher does so people kind of understand yeah so it it's really rad there's three different styles of publishing nowadays independent you could write a five-page book go on to kdp.com which is amazon go through their publishing process. They'll size it up. They'll tell you dimensions. They'll even help you create a cover and everything. Um, Hit publish and you can start making money on KDP or Amazon that afternoon if that's what you want to do, right? Um, And that's self-publishing in a nutshell. There's like a few different houses too that you can go through. Um, And then there's traditional. And traditional is... Penguin Random House picks up your book, uh, Simon Schuster, any of those big five are basically considered uh, traditional publishing. And they take your book and they pick it apart and they tell you, uh, well, you can put this in. We like this. We, we don't like this. This is how actually we want you to write it like this. So I think there's a little more tradition there. Like you don't have as much leeway to be exactly who you are until you're have a name like a Colleen Hoover or you know Jack Carr one of those guys now then they can write basically anything but that's yeah you have to have 
hundred thousand followers, you have to have an audience already because they're not going to pick you up because right. they want to make money off you. Um, it, it, for the record, this is just like a record label. Yeah, right? record like producer. The, the, the record the record label is not going to do the work for you. You have to do the work. So they mm-hmm. they just want to take money off of the followers you already have. They're not there to get Absolutely. you more followers. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, it, this is there's so many similarities in the record I, I, in that business. And my wife's my manager, so she's in the that side of the business, and so she's like, this is very similar to yeah the music industry and. It's true, and so I don't. I don't have a following, so that one was gone. Um, and Julie is what's called a hybrid publisher, so she can be as she can be as little to me as a um, like a mentor. Like, hey, I you can hire me. I'll help you mentor you into your self publishing. Or she can be where she is helping me, where she fully takes on everything, and I'm basically basically paying to play like so i pay her all the public i do all the things i pay for everything up front it's all me for the most part she does pay for some things and then she for now or forever will or for as long as i'm with her will always get a fraction of my my book but not anywhere close as if i went with like a, a top five so those are the three uh and that's what julie does for me is she does all the stuff that i want to do so how many design versions were there? <clears throat> that was the, so that tape is actually on my desk right here. Oh, yeah. Um, first time I wrote, actually, no, that might've been two, the second time we went to Claire and uh, shout out to my boy Bull. He let me go into the rehearsal room and take a case down there. And me and my wife just took my iPhone, a Sharpie and some white gaff tape. And we uh, wrote it on a Pelican. And that became the cover. So that cover is the first. Uh, oh, it is a pelican. I can see the the ridges now. Yeah. Yeah. We actually had to, if uh, you could read pelican on there, and we actually had to um, edit that That's out. That's funny. You and I so talked about say, that a little bit. I was like, say oh, maybe you can get a. You say B rig? It does say something like B rig or something like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> There's actually you um you have a shot of like someone walking to a tour bus like pulling that pelican. Mm-hmm. You can see the pool. Yeah. You can see the full pelican and like in that, in so that shot. It, I actually am wearing their hoodie, funny enough. Uh Maggie was uh coming home from tour and we had reached out to him like, Hey, don't you have a tour bus? Like, are you guys using it this weekend? Is it parked at the lot? And um She's like, actually, we're rolling down Music Row right now if you guys want to come meet us. And so we hopped in the car, shot down to uh, Music Row here in Nashville, and uh, we just started taking candid shots of me standing. I had a radio. I borrowed a radio from Claire and hooked it onto my belt. <laughs> like, I was like, I don't know what I want to do with this. But I had all these crazy visions because I was like, well, people know what roadies are for the most part, right. but they really don't. They just know that we're dudes that walk around with like, hoodies and a laminate and there's usually a radio after that like it doesn't matter so i was trying to cater to at least the look right yeah and and we didn't use any of those shots for uh, too much promo because it was like i just use them for my instagram because they're funny (laughs) i want to go back to building building the characters in the story of your book so 
How quickly did you have all the main players? What was it? What did it look like to outline who the characters were were and maybe who you thought the personalities were? Did did you start with the baseline? Did you have to build that? Do you have to like okay? Because you know there are there's these siblings and then then there's these other people and these and like mm-hmm. and I say all that to say is like there was other like research involved because like you had to line us up chronologically so like because yeah. you have the you know the the three siblings um and then the time frame that you wanted to because you actually put times of like um like actual dates so like the yeah. age of that person had to correlate with the backstory of can this person be a kid of this person or not mm-hmm. you know and and actually timeline map out and or logistically are these cities and uh, so like I'm, I'm curious like research wise like how did that just come after time? Did you outline this stuff? Like, how did, how did that work? Yeah, like, well, version one was a lot of that. So I started, here's a big question that I'll answer because this will start, this will maybe give insight how I wrote the book. I started with the last chapter. I wrote that last chapter first. Okay. Wait, so I had the last place... chapter as it stands right now? Like, the mm-hmm. way it, okay, all right. Uh, no, no, no. So not that. La- Actually, that's okay. that was like chapter fourteen. We moved that to the. That was one of the things that we had. Like, and that's the cool thing about having Julie in my life is she's she used to work for some of the big five, so she knows how books should be laid sure. out. And and that one character, it where I had it was really cool, but it it also threw the entire book off a little bit. And so actually chapter 19 used to be the last okay, one. That makes sense. So I wrote, yeah, I'm I wrote not trying that to give anything away because like any good book of story, there's a lot that happens no. at the end of the book. Yeah, you know, it, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it is a oh, cliffhanger, and, and, you know, so it's Oh, definitely. Yeah. And this and and chapter 20, even if I just said that I moved it, it gives nothing away. Sure. It just that character is inserted. I inserted him in a weird spot because I, I liked it. It was very Quentin Tarantino. Okay. And and so as I was writing, you know, like I was envisioning all my favorite movies too. Like, what do I like? What do I like in a movie? Like, what do I want to? What makes me watch a movie seven times? You know, and it's twists and turns and things that you're like, oh, I didn't, mm, I didn't even know that. I need to go back and read mm. reread that. So yeah, I wrote chapter the nineteen used to be the last chapter. Um, I wrote that first and then as I had about four characters, the four main ones, right? Yeah. Actually five. Um, I was like, okay, well I know where I need to start, but how do I give a little bit of backstory? And so then I had to add in some parents and then grandparents and it was like, and then I was like, well, this is too much backstory. So I had mm. to like take some of that down. Right. Cause yeah. Though that backstory is important, it doesn't play anything really too much further. There's like a, there will be more, but it's not like you. I had to go into the most extreme detail. Sure. So, so some of the character building was like, I want to add this scene in, or I want to add this action in, but I can't add it without adding a person. So then I had to think, how does this person, how do, how would they come about being in this person's or in one of the characters' lives, or how would they? like the best friends, right? Mm-hmm. How do I introduce two best friends into a, into right. this scene, right? And so that was a, a fun one because I got to think about my two best friends. Like, nice. how did we meet? Like, how did, how did our interactions go some of those first times? And so a lot of the characters are loosely based around people I know. Sure. But no one is like a specific No one's person. came forward yet. 
<laughs> hey. Everybody's like, ooh, is that me? All right, like, All right. Mm. going back to that sprinkling of of your experiences, I want to see if this connection that I made after going back and listening to that episode um, and something you wrote about in the book is is the same experience in a different way. Ivan, you know, older person brings his kid out on stage, why? And it's like, hey, you want to experience something cool, you know? And, and yeah. like, and you're out in front of a crowd and you, and, and you raise your hands and, and the crowd lights up. And that's like, that was that moment of like, oh my goodness, like, th- you, we were able to move this body of people, this experience. Now, what I think you were uh, channeling is mm-hmm. um, the first time you did a mic check with Paul Simon at Glastonbury. <laughs> uh, uh, am, am I right? Is that? That is, honestly, that would be the closest thing to that experience that I could ever write. And yes, like as you were saying it, in my mind, that was one of the first times I experienced moving a crowd in All right, we'll tell that, that story. So what, what what what's the story I'm talking about there? That way I, could, I don't I don't want to retell it for yeah, you. Yeah. Okay. So what well, do you want me to tell the not the book story? No, not the book story. The no, 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 no. The, the Paul Simon story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I wasn't sure if you want me to ruin the whole thing. <laughs> um so it was Glastonbury. I was with Paul Simon. It was like 2011, maybe. Mm-hmm. And we were in the and what's crazy is like I always knew Paul had a lot of hits, but until I toured with him, I was like, holy shit, this dude has a lot of hits. <laughs> and it blew my mind. It, and that's where I, I think that was one of the nicknames was Kid, because everybody on that tour was like 40 years older than me. Or not 40, but like 20 years older than me. You know, I was definitely the youngest person on that tour. And we get to Glastonbury. Beyonce's the headliner. I'm like, I, I mean, it's cool and all, but but it's Paul Simon. And we were playing like middle of the day. But it was a beautiful, sunny day. Everybody was in a good mood. And this like bald stage manager comes over to me and he's like, really pulling out the grand piano today? And I'm like, it's not my fucking choice. Sure, yeah, I got everything. He wants everything, dude. It doesn't matter if we're playing the 930 Club or we're playing fucking Madison Square Garden. It's Paul, Paul wants Simon. everything. It's Paul. Just let him do it's it, Paul dude. Simon. Just leave me alone. He's like, well, yeah, but you got like 100 inputs and 17 wedges. And are you going to get everything up in time? And you know, coaches out at front of house. I got Bob Lewis and monitors. He, and he would help me sling wedges, but Bob had to get over there and start like, you know, getting packs ready and testing all this other stuff. And uh, Paul had, so whatever, it was a bunch of inputs. I remember the guy was like giving me hell and I was like patching some of the last things, but Paul, it was, um, he was on two hardwired hundred foot mics, XLRs. And those are the last things that would run out there. And yeah, I remember getting all the way out there to I like ran the spare and then I ran the main and I was about to walk away and either in my ears or maybe through one of the wedges coach was like hit the microphone for me and uh in I think they had like 20 seconds left right like the dude is like on the side of the stage like because it goes like live right across the BBC or across one of those you know channels over there and I was like, oh, I was like, if I had to sprint off stage, I was like, I fucking did it. I did it. And coach is like, hit that microphone. So I walk up to it and he unmuted me right as I started saying like, mic check one, two. And and it blew across this like 140,000 people and they all started cheering. I just was like, holy shit, this is insane. And then I just like, like trailed off into the freaking side of stage. It was It was one of those moments that. I could take a photo or I could video it, but it would never Never. hit the same to anybody else. It just was all for me. And so writing that one scene, yes, was very, very reminiscent of 
my experience, my personal experience with a lot of people in front of me. Cause I, I was never really a monitor guy for Claire right. very, very shortly. So I didn't spend a lot of time on stage. So I heard someone talk recently, um, about the difference of committing words to writing versus speaking. Um, mm. and how much more effort thought, um, has to go into the writing versus speaking. So, uh, I want to pause with that setup in mm-hmm. terms of you spent, you know, what, two, almost three years doing the podcast with your wife, you know, and mm-hmm. that was one thing to come daily and like speak. And in, in, you know, Kyle and I over the last four years have been like speaking and it's like, you're going to say some dumb shit or sometimes you might say something goal, whatever, but like, it doesn't matter, yeah. you know? Right. <clears throat> but then, so, uh, with that being said, did you ever wrestle with that or or the, the thoughts of like, man, I'm putting something t- down in this book that like once it's out, I mean, you get to do your revisions, Damn. of course. Right. But like um, yeah. processing the difference of like committing words to paper versus mm-hmm. just talking about something. That's a radically different experience. Yeah. At some, at some point, you're just like, I hope no one listens to that episode. And then you're <laughs> fine. And then you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't like call everybody and say skip chapter seven or whatever. <laughs> uh, very thoughtful in words. I had to be very. Um, I think when you and me were talking on the phone, I took digs at every department. Yes. Right. Oh yeah. There's not. There's, I didn't. I didn't leave one. I made fun of audio people, and I was an audio guy because we're we're easy to make fun of, right? Like it wasn't. But I think in general, if you can't laugh at yourself either, right, then there's bigger issues. Mm-hmm. So. When I first started writing the book, version one, let's just say, I remember turning in chapters to my wife and she'd read it and she'd be like, uh, are you sure you want this to be said? And I think a lot of the first two versions were, I was a little angry at the industry for the way that it all left people mm. just hanging at certain points. It wasn't just me. I think I think I was vocalizing some stuff and it 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 just sounded cl- uh crass. It didn't it didn't come off well. It didn't it didn't it wouldn't have been a good look for anyone, especially me if I was trying to <laughs> do something heroic and write my thoughts out there. And so there was a lot of that. There was a lot of editing that came came in version 3 and 4 that were actually very helpful and actually I think really made the story shine, especially by the time I got to like versions like six and seven and eight where where it wasn't about the industry anymore. It was like truly trying to tell a story as opposed to tell inside jokes. Mm. Cause there was a lot of inside jokes that I first wrote in there that my wife would be like, Yeah, but you get that. If you want this to be bigger than just you and your bus <laughs> then you're gonna need you're gonna need to be a storyteller and you're a good storyteller so tell a story and and things like that really landed with me where it was like okay fine let me not just say what everybody expects me to say let me go deep or let me really push this character to something that is is gripping to where people go oh yeah this is interesting and so yeah like words my uh publisher she her whole slogan is words matter it's true it is it is such a honest thing because i could have slammed a bunch of things in there and been that asshole but it wouldn't have 
it would have done me no good, and it, and the person reading would be like, oh, I always knew he was a jerk. <laughs> what, what was it like going from being a good storyteller? Because most of us, you're right, we all we all tell our own stories. We all have great stories. Everyone's story yeah. is not better than anyone else's. It's a thing. But most of those stories can be summed up in like 15 or 20 minutes of conversation. You know what I mean? Absolutely. How do you continue? How does it feel to continue a story for three years to fine tune it? Like, are you oh, looking? Are you looking for like? the hooks you know how in like great mm. crime films or dramas there's like a hook and before yeah. you finish that chapter you're like oh dude i gotta put this in to hook people into the next one it was there a yeah. lot of refining with that since stories are told in 15 20 minutes but you're telling a story like yeah 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 um it, it was that yeah it, well it's a lot a lot of also painting my visual to someone is so um, it's, it's in my own technique, it's in my own words, but it's also like, I don't want to paint everything to you. So, so taking you to the door, right? I don't want to tell you what color the door is. Cause your, your door might be, you know, yellow for all I know, but in my story, I want you to feel the emotion, right? So all that refinement, yeah, is trying to get you to be that character, mm. place you with that character, right? So the hook isn't always necessarily some witty line or some, you know, generic like, oh, I knew this was going to happen. Sometimes it's the, and I read and I watched this video maybe a year or two, probably two and a half years now. It was the South Park guys talking about how they write. And they don't use and. Like, you can build a story and, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and this happened. And we've all watched that movie before, right? And by the end of it, you're like, okay. And then this happened. Of course it did. And you hate the movie, right? <laughs> and and it's true. And then it's the that's same with so the book, true. right? And that's probably why people hate reading is because so many times they pick it up and they're just like, oh gosh, this person's just rambling on and then and then and then. But they said they use but and therefore. And that but and therefore leaves leaves you wanting that next step like this this happened but then this happened therefore this has to happen or at least you think it's going to happen right so in a fiction it's so cool because i can lead you to where you're going ah i see where the story's going and then instantly change it with the way that the character comes out of a, a situation or something right so yeah the hook wasn't the witty line always it was more the the maybe you didn't see that until I got to the next chapter. Along that same that line, kind of answer your question, yeah. And but carrying that that story on for more than like the tw oh, the twenty well. minutes, you know what I mean? And and at multiple yeah. levels with multiple characters, like it, that's interesting. Right. How you develop the story, like if they didn't know chapter three, they're not going to get chapter seven. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it develops that far. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, I think internally, I love, I love my imagination so much that I, I really, really like fed on how fun can I make this for the reader at the same time? But how much fun am I having? Because yeah. if it was boring to me, like shit, I would have, I would have gone back to being a roadie. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like in all, in all, and I say that in no conceited conceitedness yeah. it's, it's just it, if it bored me to death then it's gonna bore you to death so i really tried to choose characters that i could 
envision living for 40, 50, 60, 70 years and having these crazy things happen to them because why not? Why not build this like virtual space where we all are curious, right? We all like, we've heard the stories like, oh man, I went down to South America. Wouldn't it be wild if we brought a brick of Coke back and sold that? I could buy like a car, you know, (laughs) like everybody's like kind of had those like weird, or like, hey man, what if we just like got in the business of like taking something from New York to California, man, it'd be so easy. We just put it under the bay and we can do it, man. It'd be so much fun. There's all the talk, right? Everybody talks about it. So why not? I, I just had fun and I really, really, and that's what I think allowed me to go in that span of three years and really dive into each character and let myself, when I was writing for that character, let myself become that yeah. character. Like what, what would I do in that situation? Like yeah. if I had a, if I was making a billion dollars a month, like what would I do? Okay. <laughs> well, but then I had to like, but then I had to wrangle it back in. Right. Cause let's be real. Like to this book is also very realistic. Like I just got a review back and someone was like, though this is a wild idea, it could happen. Right. You know? Yeah. And so it was, it was a cool review for me. And cause this is a professional reviewer. This isn't like a friend of mine reviewing. This is like someone that <laughs> this is their job. And, yeah. And so, yeah. So like to carry that story on, like, I think the easiest way to say it is I had to enjoy becoming each character and really have fun with it, not worry about anything other than that. Along the same lines of being able to tell that story for the time uh, or that, that long of a time and, and, and figuring out what to actually write to captivate people. I know you have thoughts or desires for this to become uh, a Netflix special or a TV That's show. That's what or I wanted to get whatever, into. Let's right? go. Um, but before we go there, though, all right. So in this this dichotomy world that I lived in of reading this thing, here's what I'm analyzing. I'm like, I'm going okay. I was trying to, which I imagine when anybody's reading a book, they're like, you put visuals in your head, right? You picture the story. That's that's that's, that's what humans do, right? Mm-hmm. But then I, I started thinking about like, okay, if this were Netflix, whatever, does it is a video, right? Mm-hmm. There's interesting things with video that you would have done that you don't have to use words for, Mm -hmm. right? You can create a sense, a feeling, an atmosphere, and not one word had to be said. Mm -hmm. However, when you're in written form, you have to create that landscape. Um, Mm -hmm. So did did you find yourself having to figure out like how like you said before it's like i don't want to tell what color the door is but i do have to give a sense of like i'm down in the basement of the arena what might that actually mm-hmm. so for someone who hasn't been in the basement of the arena mm-hmm. i have to put some level there whereas if i were just on camera right now there's no words being said but that camera's got to move all that emotion uh, so did you have to figure out how to like process to that to that degree like how much description how much description i go to like where where's where's that line absolutely yeah. Oh, yeah. Every uh, any time that I was uh, explaining um, a smell or maybe a texture or something like that, that's where you really have to kind of use your imagination into uh, best description. And there's a, a part in the last chapter where I talk about the smell of the rain, mm. and it's a very distinct smell. To and honestly, I wrote it knowing that a very small amount of people that live in the desert will know exactly what I was talking about. But if you read that line as a person that lived in New York, you might be curious as to be like, Oh, what's that? 
he 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 says this creosote tree like what is this you might google it right i have creosote so there is, in my shower right now by the way and because it gives that same, same smell yep but a lot of people just don't they would never understand that smell so there's there's moments like that in the book where i wrote things like that that might be very very to one demographic of, of people that where they live or, or just a group of people like roadies might get a joke in there, but no one else would. And I think that that's like, um, taking people to a place is hard mm. in, uh, and, and, and maybe I'm not doing it justice, but like, there's another line like about tears hitting a je- hitting her jeans. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can only describe that with so many ways. But tears hitting your jeans, you can feel the texture of jeans. You, you've heard water hit your jeans before, you know, like, and and I think that there's points in in getting to people to a place, you kind of just get them close enough mm-hmm. and then their imagination goes the rest of the way, which that's the kind of the cool part, I think, about fiction uh, versus other forms of writing maybe because other forms of writing you have to be very especially nonfiction. if you're writing an audiobook you can't just be like well you know like the preamp kind of sounds like this <laughs> you kind of have to be a little more detailed right yeah. like this is what you're looking at the meter and this is what's happening on the and this is what it should sound like and this is the crispness and blah 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 in in my in the fiction world there's that leeway there's that little bit of like oh this is kind of interesting like and and I saw it happen with my wife because, like I said, she read every chapter. She read every word. Like, she, I've read this book 40, 50 times now. And <laughs> does she like you she, still? Surprisingly, yeah, Congrats. she does. I, and, I, and, and, I'm, and I'm probably her worst client. <laughs> I'm annoying as all can be. Um, but she, when she would turn to me and say, oh, that was really, that was really well put, I was like, okay, good. If you got that, then everybody else will get that. And so there was, I had the, my, my, uh, I had my test tester right next to me most of the time. Awesome. Speaking of your wife, I, <laughs> that was a weird intro. Weird. Um, yes. <laughs> the, I want to go back to, um, and I know we are, I mean, we're not going to have time to get to everywhere I wanted to go, uh, in, in a reasonable time frame. I can come back. No, no. So, but Let's do it. I, while we're here, though, I do want to touch on for a minute, for, you know, because I don't know when we'll have the chance to do this again. Uh, on the backyards and bevies thing, um, yeah, yeah. right? So, so, you know, you spent a couple of years across from your wife every week, you know, having mm-hmm. a podcast. What I was fascinating is that, like, you could have gone the route of any of the podcasts of like having guests on, and you had a few, you know, but for the most I part, it was you know your wife. Um, what um, I guess, couple things, then you can pull it together. A so did you know the book was coming and this was an avenue to, you know, hey, drum up your name and, 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 and get some exposure and to kind of talk some things up? Because you didn't talk about the book in the beginning when you started the podcast. It wasn't until later on you're mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm writing this book. Um, and then what um, what did that do for you and your wife? I was actually, believe it or not, I was actually jealous uh, of the experience mm-hmm. that you got to have with your wife and actually sit down for this yeah. hour every week and like process life together and think about it. It's like, man, that would be, that'd be a lot of fun yeah. to do. Like, so what, what did that experience do for you? What'd you learn about you and your wife over that time? How did the book fall into all of that? Like, I know that's a lot loaded in there, but you know, what, what was that experience for you? Yeah. Well, and she works, like I said, in the industry and she worked with a lady that was another manager at the same um, management place that she is at. And, and she broke off years ago. And, and when we first started this, before we even had maybe let's, let's say even chapter one, 
I actively went back and started reading books that I liked. I read Anthony Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential again twice. I read this book called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And one of the things he says in there is, if you're going to do something, just do it. Don't, it's like people that are like, I'm going to go lose 10 pounds. No, you're not. You just go do it. And then when you come back and I'm like, oh shit, you look like 10 pounds thinner. You'd be like, I lost 10 pounds. It, it's a mentality thing, yeah, right? Sure. And so um, one of the things he says in there, he's like, if you really want to do something great, tell a few people, don't go spread it to the world. Just sit down, really actively do it. And so I did that. And with her though, she went and had this meeting and this is counterintuitive to exactly what I just read, right? And this this girl now manages a very big, um, I think, Christian author, fiction maybe, or I, I forget, but a big author. And she said, does your husband have a podcast? And we didn't. And so she comes home. She's like, hey, uh, so-and-so said you should start a podcast. <laughs> and I was like, nope, I'm not doing it. And she's like, what do you mean you're not doing it? I was like, not, not, I'm not, I'm not going to go sit in a room with a white background <laughs> and tell stories. She goes, yeah, but you have great stories. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not going to sit here and tell the same drunk story of me falling down the you know, stairs in London or something you know, stupid like that. Like no one's going to want to hear that. And she's like, yeah, people will probably want to hear that. And so that went on forever. And so I went and I'm driving the forklift at that freaking, uh, cabinet warehouse place and delivering these cabinets. And I'm talking to this, this young uh, kid that worked with me and I'm like well you know what maybe I could and I'm like I guess I could do it in like my backyard and and but I won't like tell all my stories like I'll like have a conversation with someone like I like I like I like talking and he's like oh yeah that's kind of cool like I'd listen to that I was like would you <laughs> and so you know like it kind of went back and forth and then then my friend happens to be in the podcast world so I asked her uh a couple tips. And so that's how the podcast started. Right. And yes, then my wife's like, well, well, we need to talk about the book. I was like, no, we're not going to talk about the book because I read that I need to finish it first. And so that was the only, and looking back on it, yes, the podcast was started to help promote the book, but at the same time, it led me to a lot of people who now support me with the book. Right. right and right, even right if here. it's, you, you, I mean, that's, that's yeah. why we're having this conversation, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and I told myself from the start, even if I get one person to enjoy me, then that means that I, I think that that's the point. Like, I don't need to worry about hundreds of thousands mm. of people. Like if it comes, it comes. If it not, then hey, I made a new friend and you and me have become real close over yeah. the years. And and it's really rad too, in my opinion, because here we are all all chatting. Now I know Kyle. I didn't know Kyle beforehand. We probably crossed paths somewhere in Had the to. world just because of the nature of the beast. But but here we are having this awesome conversation. We've gotten to know each other on different levels now. And so the podcast was wildly successful, even though yes, I didn't mention the book for fit 60 episodes yeah, it was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> something it, it was a long chris, time chris and i and, are on like a episode 270 something together and uh we're just now figuring it out it. we're just kind of now getting it <laughs> but i i i, I can I, you guys are no, good but i can see how like that develops you as a thinker i mean yes. chris yeah. and i talk all the time offline and 95 mm-hmm. percent of the times we're like man we should record that or whatever <laughs> absolutely. And, and absolutely it's kind of fun because you 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 like open new neurological paths and 
I now that I think about it, I am envious of you as well that you did it with your wife because that would be fun to do for anybody, I think. And and I'm gonna do one with my daughter too, because I think if I can get her speaking like I speak now before then, it's a win. Like mm -hmm. um absolutely. I, I want, I want to see the development of your book because now when, when Chris mentioned, you know, Hey man, this might go a different direction. You might actually try to, you know, put something visual out to it. Your eyes lit up. Mm, so, yeah, it's... so that whole thing, podcast, book, COVID talking mm -hmm. to people, learning new paths, like your grammar, your, your question and answer format, like you're almost doing that in your head now. So now that you're done with this book, it's out. People are going to read it and review it and the whole nine yards. Mm. Your next step, you really are going to do like a screenplay for this thing maybe? Yeah. So the, I, there's a, a few things in the book that I probably just can't say right this second because we haven't actually signed any like for solid deals, but there's definitely um some amazing things happening and here's to the here's why i think it's happening right when this whole start all of this started me and my wife weren't close like we were close we were married but we weren't close and so you guys are exactly right i am, am absolutely blessed and so lucky that i had to, uh, the ability to leave the road she told me to she said do it let's do it let's go all in not a lot of people get that not a lot of people have amazing. that support amazing and, and and it was and it, it was like okay fine let's downsize everything fuck it we don't need all this other shit like let's just if it means that we win 20 years from now then it's a bigger win altogether because then i'm home i'm all this stuff and then yeah so then we started talking but it was like from day one we both said all right if you're gonna do this we have to go all the way all in everything to the point where we have a tv show from it because the second we said the name we both looked at each other and we're like that's a pretty cool TV show name. And everything that we've done up to this point, from the wrapping of the books that look like bricks of mm -hmm, cocaine, yes. um, it, everything has been um, a team. And, and, it's, and it's really rad and it's really hard at times. It doesn't make it easy because we've gotten to the point where we're so on, we've been so honest and we're so able to talk to each other that, yeah, like sometimes, you know, we have to be like, okay, wait, this isn't manager. And I'm not your manager right now. I'm your wife. So let's 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 have a, a husband wife conversation about the kids. It's like, OK, yeah, my bad. And then there's but now we have to. Like, but it is cool because, yeah, there's um, it's a very open, honest, like I'll tell her like, oh, we should go do this. She's like, pump the brakes. We're not doing it. And, and it developed like and you know, it, it's still developing. And it, and, and it is it is sad that we're not doing it anymore. But we had to actively make that. That choice to say. It's either all in with the book now or all in with the podcast. And the chances of us ha having what we want with the podcast wasn't going to be there. So we were like, let's just all in with the book. And and yeah, man, it. I think it's rad that you want to do it with your daughter. I, I think this, I think podcasting is so cool on so many levels because it introduces people to new ideas and, and so many cool things. So I think what you guys are doing and, and future doing, it's super rad. And it's super cool that you have me on your show as a writer, not as, as what I used to do. It, I thank you so much for having me on for that reason. Yeah, it, dude, it, when we first, when, when Chris started telling me about beers and backyard bevies, like the, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I was like, really? Really? And uh, I listened to a few. And then I saw your social media stuff about the book. You sent it over. And I've kind of been in on it for a while. But like you said, this wasn't audio wasn't your passion. And, and to tell you the truth, that's, that's probably why I'm sitting here right now. It's not mine anymore either. It really isn't. My passion is... I'm I'm finding joy other places than mixing shows and and making sure that I find the chafing dish line like <laughs> it it, it yeah. becomes a different thing and I the open and honest conversations that we can have on a podcast with people is like this is the way this life has been forever we just haven't been able to show anybody or or let anybody mm-hmm. listen so uh, being a writer like I said, we can find the similarities in all this thing, like how your publisher is like a record producer, how these things, it's its very circular. And it always goes back to that stupid loose connection that we have, you know, and um, it, it, it works because I leave these podcasts now being a fan of my own shit that we're doing. Like, I don't think it's my own shit. I think I'm like mm-hmm. an actor in this thing. And then I go back and listen to it and I'm like, wow, man, we really tapped some people that needed a platform to say this, whether it's for a hundred people or a hundred thousand people. Like I heard it doesn't matter. And it made a difference mm-hmm. with me. And you know how I can tell the next one's going to be better and the next one's going to be better. Mm-hmm. And like, it, it just, it just keeps growing. Like this thing is kind of amazing. Um, yeah. I don't know how it's And if you're enjoying it then then that means other people enjoy it too cuz it's it's easy to tell when it's it's phoned in. I mean, let's be real. Yeah, like, totally. It's like it's like that ICP it's song. So easy. How, do, how do magnets work? We can sit here we can figure <laughs> that out for you guys. We'll figure out how <laughs> magnets work. We got this. <laughs> but we have been talking for I mean, we but that's the thing though is like it, it is so cool to like just open the floodgates. Like let's talk about something else. Like it's like let's let's like learn something cool. And I and I think that and I commend you guys for taking that step in that cool way because your 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 symbol alone is so cool because it's a brain like almost making that <laughs> connection. And that's all it takes is like one person to spark one word and one emotion or one little something and someone goes oh my gosh that was me i was that or i need to go there or oh and and it and it's and it's really rad and i'll say whenever you're you start writing don't edit yourself like kyle if you if if you've ever wanted to write something just put it out there because you can always go back and you can always delete something but you'll never if you if you're in the moment Mm -hmm. and you're like I'll, I'll have to run it through the boss lady first, just like you did. <laughs> she is not afraid <laughs> but, but to tell I, me I'm how stupid you, I am. <laughs> and that's and that's brilliant though. But I'm just telling you, never edit yourself while you're writing something because you'll miss gold somewhere in that like little that moment. No, and, so. and I'll take that as dad advice. Like that's dad advice. <laughs> Don't edit yourself with your child. You know, show them how things really are. Like, um. All these, all these things are very applicable. I love the quote that you said from the writers, like, don't spread it around, just do it and be like, yo, if someone doesn't notice, it's almost like they're not, that doesn't matter. If you don't notice Mm -hmm. that I did something, then that doesn't matter to me. I noticed like I got, I completed it. It's done. Like it, it Mm -hmm. happened. Yeah, man. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit announcing shit. I'm gonna, be a, I'm gonna be an ultimate fighter. Oh, I announced that. Never mind. I'm not. 
<laughs> it was honestly, if you've never read Think and Grow Rich, it, it is not about how to make money. It's about how to grow your mind. Mm. Absolutely. 100%. It's the coolest. But I've, I think I've read it like four times now in life because every time I need to like get a little inspiration in my life and it, he wrote it back in like the 30s. So it's not like it's a, anything new. I love the Anthony, really the Anthony Bourdain book is, is um, amazing too. It sits right next to my writing area and it's actually signed by the dude. No. Uh-huh. Yeah, man. Like one of my biggest inspirations ever. I even have a, a nod to him in the book. Yep. So. I, I literally, I got to, there's a couple of points. Like I read through the book and I would text Philip when I get to something. And that was one of the spots. I was like, <laughs> Oh, you found a way to get Anthony Bourdain in, in, in the, in the story, in the book, or he, you know, as a yeah. reference or whatever. And I have a cool signed mm-hmm. copy too of a book. It's this book, the Reddit cartel. Um, uh, oh. you know, so I have, you know, I mean, it's not, I, maybe I not as cool dick. as, uh, Anthony Bourdain, dick. but I'll have to get you. I'll get you. <laughs> Mine's numbered, Kyle. Mine's hey, at 57 hey, let, of let's, let's, let's put it out there. Everyone go pick up the Roadie Cartel. Um, it's coming out on audiobook soon, or is it out now? Yeah. By, by, by uh, the time most and, people have listened to this, it likely might be out or with, yeah. within you know a few weeks. We should probably mention so, yeah. and I'll we'll tag us on the front for those who maybe haven't made it this far. <laughs> but we're gonna drop a um uh, a, a, a clip at Un- the end. Can you can you clip. maybe just do a quick setup of what people are going to experience in that clip or um, just, you know, the audio book of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it was really, I had a chance to choose any part of the book that people should listen to. And I figured that the first five minutes of the book is super intense. And so I just went straight from first five minutes of uh, Wyatt being a production manager and she goes into some pretty heavy shit. And so there's, it leads you directly into uh, her story and where she's at. I, I'm pretty sure it cuts off right at a, a, a spot where you're like, uh, okay, I need more now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chris <laughs> but, sent yeah, it so, to me on so, the DL and I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I mean, and she does. And so the, the, I had seven different actresses read that the, these five, they, and it, I think it was the first 10 minutes that I would get clips from. And, this was the first I chose her first off the bat. I listened to the other 10 just or seven just for the fun of it, because I was like, uh, I mean, I might as well hear them out. But I chose Melissa right away. She's from Jersey. There's just something every every everybody around me was like, I don't know her. She, she has like this little bit of um, it's a little sexy. I was like, no, no, wait till it kicks in. And she like curses or wait till she gets to something that's a little rowdy. And sure enough, like her little Jersey comes out just a touch. <laughs> where I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> well, Philip, so, if you could define your legacy or how you'd want to be known, how would you define that? Honestly, hasn't, I think at the end of the day now, maybe Philip 10 years ago, I would, I would want to be the biggest, you know, I guess I most famous roadie ever. Right. That would be like how I would have thought, but I will answer this as honest as, as I possibly can. I hope that I can inspire my children to never hold back their dreams because doing this book was exactly that. I have only followed my dreams for the last like basically four years and I've never been happier in life. I've never had better relationships with friends, family, my wife and and so at the end of the day i hope that all they can look at is like that i did exactly what i wanted to do mm. and that would be my legacy 
I think so. he's only the second person to mention kids in his legacy, Chris. Yeah, two hundred and eighty thousand episodes, and you're only the second <laughs> to mention the kids. I think I was the first. Probably, wow. probably. That's right. Cheers to you, Cheers. my friend. Hey, man. Uh, yeah. well, that, that's yeah. what I say. If like they can't carry on the name, then you're you didn't do, then your, I didn't you do didn't my do job. Your job. Totally. No, man. No, I appreciate you guys for having me on. And I look forward anytime you need a, a dude to hop on. Let's hey. do it. We can not talk about the book. We can talk about anything. I'm happy. Chris and I talk shit all the time. Let's just hit we, record and do it, right? Yeah. There's so much <laughs> yeah. we didn't get to. There's definitely some good stories, even though, you know, you don't want to necessarily maybe talk about the focus on the past. There's plenty of good stories we could tell. Oh, you know, we can we can always have one of the past. You know, um, I, I wanted to go there. We didn't have time. You know, you've battled some, like, anxiety and depression stuff that you talk through i mean there's so many places that we could like go but thank you again for your time i really appreciate it and uh pick up his book pick up go buy the damn book go listen to the book and the and the audiobook by the time it comes out so it will be on spot i'm putting it on a platform that broadcasts it across spotify apple um audible awesome Google. Cool. It'll be available at libraries too. So if you get audiobooks through libraries, it, I'm gonna try. It's gonna be everywhere for everyone. So and and we like are gonna have it like lower than most audiobooks. So hopefully people are like hell yeah. Let's and <laughs> and we'll definitely give you updates on our socials: Loose Connection Pod, um, Facebook and Instagram and TikTok here and there. There'll be some clips of this. Thanks, Philip, dude. Yeah. I really appreciate this. You're just going to come back on. Dude. We're going to talk shit. We're going to talk about yeah, El Paso dude. and uh, the Chaparral tree. You know what oh, I'm saying? Yeah. That's where you get the dude. thing from. Oh, that yeah. smells good. And we could talk oh, about, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. what was it, at the drive-in? Sparta? Oh, my gosh. Sparta? I mean, we could just have a Lee Trevino episode if you want. for In your in your honor. <laughs> There's a road. Let's go. There's, I, I used to eat eat Mexican food on Lee Trevino. Lee Trevino <laughs> Avenue. That's, <laughs> I, a, that's, a, that's a thought. I'm in, man. Let's do it. And I hope that everybody that's an audio guy takes my audio book and starts tuning PAs with it. (laughs) (laughs) October 13th, 2009. 1335, the arena, Seattle, Washington. Sitting alone is something new to me. I sit in my production office, confused and angry and with a loaded revolver in my lap. Outside these four concrete walls, the world is spinning. But the rotation of my world is quickly slowing down. I have a tough decision to make, facing a pivotal point in my life. I'm either going to face my demons it to join my father. Without a soul to turn to with the odds against me, the idea of pulling the trigger becomes easier by the second. Simply adjust the barrel to the temple and apply a slight pressure to instigate a final click. I need to escape the constant mental pain that has consumed me since his passing. With the hammer pulled back and ready to fire, I am sorry, father escapes my mouth in a whisper. I shut my eyes. I take one long last breath in and start to squeeze the... I suddenly feel pressure, a hand on my shoulder. I jolt around. Nothing. 
Freaking out, I sit back in my chair as pictures of my father and reflections of how strong a man he was flash in my unhealthy, fragile, and fucked-up state of mind. Is this how he would want me to reach the afterlife? I'm not sure if there is a heaven, but my father started to believe during his last years on Earth. Would he accept my presence on his cloud of eternal peace with my brains trickling down my neck? Probably not. Besides, I may be alive because he has unfinished business that falls onto my shoulders caused by his untimely death. Barrel pressed to my head and the hammer pulled back. My thoughts shifted from a cloud in the sky back down to reality. In all honesty, I'm not sure if I will be ready for what stands against me. But my brains on the floor also send shivers down my spine and tears down my face. Since it is in my blood to stand my ground and not run, pressure from my finger on the trigger softened. Though it is not removed, I sit and think of the battle ahead, and it is not a choice when I fight. The freight train that is my enemy shows zero signs of slowing down. If anything, the fight has already begun. I have only one weapon, and something I have used before. A nuisance, but a necessity. It is time. I have waited long enough. I have to make a choice. Like my father always said, shit or get off the pot. Life or death. I close my eyes, slide to the edge of my seat, and inhale as if I'm ready to plunge into a deep, dark abyss. I hold my breath. I pause. The world around me stills as I hear my tears landing on my jeans below. One of my favorite photos of my father and me standing on the edge of a stage suddenly comes to mind. I must have been seven. We were standing with our backs facing the crowd, hundreds of thousands of screaming fans behind us. I was so scared that day. But he held my hand and said, Look at me. Don't worry about the crowd. One day I will be gone and only a voice in your head telling you to stand tall. But today, I will show you that you can move thousands with just one small action. Down on one knee, he smiled at me and started to count down as the crowd got audibly louder. Three, two, one. Raise your arms to the sky, he shouted. The photo was taped to the wall of my road case. My father, my stuffed tiger, me, and a sea of people all have our hands up. I think he would want me to stay and fight. I force open one eye, closely followed by the other, and there it sits on the desk in front of me. A new beginning. With the gun still in one hand, I lean forward and pick up my new weapon. It is lighter. I press the button on the side. The screen shines against my face like a morning light. A vibration sends a rush of energy back to my soul, and a sigh of relief escapes my mouth. Holding this modern-day sword... I run my thumb across the smooth surface and swallow firmly, while my nerves strain to travel from my brain to my fingertips. The cartel will never expect an attack like this. They can't stop me now.